but hello, it's so good to see your smiling eyes. Because I can't see your smiling faces, um, but I know your eyes are smiling. Um, and so I just want to say hello also to our live stream family. So if you just give me a second, I'm going to face the camera and just address them really quick. Live stream fam, we're so grateful you're joining us. I'd love to see you in the comments. So let us know where you're tuning in from. We love you. We're grateful for you. And um, I, again, my name's Ilse, and I'm part of the pastoral team here at Evergreen uh, Christian Center. I love this faith community. I'm grateful for it. And today, I would like to start with a confession. Now, for those of you that are new, I hope I don't scare you off. But this is how I need to start. In this last season, I've been ungrateful. As I studied and dug deep for this message, I found myself in a place opposite of thankfulness or being thankful. And if I'm honest, my struggle with gratitude goes beyond this last season. Maybe... You do this too, but for Thanksgiving, um, you know, towards the end of the meal, my family um, gets together and we uh, take time to say what we are grateful for that year. Well, my family will do that. But then after we express our gratitude, we get critiqued on why we weren't thankful for this other thing, right? Anybody else? All right. See, I have memories of celebrating Christmas with my brothers and getting gifts, nice gifts, right? But wishing I'd gotten something else. Then as a teenager, finally getting my own room, but wanting it to be bigger. And having my mom's delicious Guatemalan home-cooked meals, frijoles, right, beans, and hoping for restaurant food. Perdón, mommy. Um, you know, and then during the season of singleness, which in my opinion, my season was way too long, um, desiring a boyfriend, and then getting a boyfriend, and then wanting a ring, and then getting the ring, and then desiring marriage. And then finally, in the season of marriage, yearning for children, and being given the gift of a baby with Down syndrome and struggling to accept it. That's my confession. I've been ungrateful more than I'd like to admit. When the truth is, I have been given so much. I have been so abundantly blessed. God has hooked it up, or like my people say, I'm in God's goodness. Straight out, just stripping. For those of you that don't know what that is, it means you got bling going on. It is obvious that you are well off, you know? <laughs> Your fit is good. Like, it's just, you know, so I, I have been that blessed. And the truth is, I went from being a malnourished kid in Guatemala, some days only having enough to eat tortilla and salt, to having leftovers, 
I went from sharing a room with half a dozen people. I'm not exaggerating. We were all La Familia, and my parents couldn't afford, you know, a two-bedroom by themselves. So we all got crammed into one living room, one room. And I went from sharing with half a dozen to having my own. I went from not being able to get pregnant to having a beautiful baby, perfect baby girl. And the most important, I went from being an unrepentant sinner to knowing forgiveness in Jesus. And the fact is, I have so much to be thankful for. And as Lori Dickerson reminded me last week, I am so rich, so rich. Yet, I still struggle with being thankful. What about you? Are you abundantly blessed? See, there is a problem we both share. We cannot be overflowing in thankfulness while we are discontent. In other words, discontentment kills your flow, or better said, your overflow. And so I I love this quote from a Bible commentator, and it says, If a man be discontented, his cup cannot run over. It is cracked and leaks. So I want to show you my cups. These are cups. They're not baby bottles. Okay, you got to use your imagination. (laughs) So I am going to pour this one. And see, you and I are so blessed. God is constantly just giving us provision for all that we need, and he just continues to pour till it overflows. But sometimes what happens with you and I is uh, God blesses us so much, but there are cracks because of discontent, so it just leaks. And no matter how long I pour, how much I receive, I will never overflow until I dress that discontent that causes those cracks. And in this letter written to the people of Colossus or Colossae, the invitation is to be overflowing with thankfulness. So let's read it. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 7. It says this. So then, just as you received Christ as Lord, Continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So to be at this place of overflowing with thankfulness, we got to mend our discontent because it will keep us from overflowing like you saw in the illustration A national survey on gratitude by the John Templeton Foundation found that 90% of Americans feel grateful and think that gratitude is important, but fewer than 50% express gratitude on a regular basis. 60% of people believe that society is less grateful than it used to be, and then 60% of employees never or very rarely express gratitude at work. So this shows me that most people think and feel grateful, but about half of them express it, or we could say only half show their overflow. 
This is called the gratitude gap. So there is a gap between what we feel and know and what we do. So how do we get to a place where we are overflowing with thankfulness and eliminate the gap? Well, let's read a story that Dr. Luke documents in the gospel account found in Luke 7:36, and it will appear on the screen. And so I invite you to follow along. All right, here we go. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of a woman she is. She is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher. He said, Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. All right, this is the last little part. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to that woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I love this story because this woman is so expressive with her gratitude. And perhaps the description chosen for her, sinful, suggests why. It says that she learned where Jesus was going to be, so right away she acted on that opportunity. Have you ever wondered, how did she know what to do? I do. Did she know that Simon had missed his opportunity to watch, wash Jesus' feet? Did she know that Jesus hadn't been anointed or greeted with a kiss? This was Simon's house. And in that culture, providing water for feet and anointing and greeting with a kiss was the minimal hospitality. But yet, Simon did not show this. But the woman, she showed her overflow so how was she able to do this? How was she able to show her overflow? My observation is that she saw what she had and gave thanks with that. She, I think she didn't concern herself with what she lacked. 
Sometimes it's so much easier to see, to notice what we don't have, what we've lost or what we're missing. Happens to me all the time. I'll see someone with really nice heels and I'm like, wow, those are really nice. I don't have a pair like that, you know? And, and, and it just, it's just, we do that. We, we notice what we're missing. We always crave for something more. Dunn Sullivan, author and strategic coach, explains that most people live in the gap, what he calls the gap. They always see what's missing, or we can say the glass half empty. For example, I'm going to use myself as an example. If Carlos, my waffle husband, waffle means handsome, um, brings me roses, Instead of saying, thank you, I remind him that I prefer wildflowers. If he makes me breakfast, I comment on how the over-easy egg is not so runny. I may or may not be guilty of such things. Pray for me. Well, that's the gap, right? We always look and see what's missing. It's also known as discontent. Simply put, discontentment is dissatisfaction. Do you know that feeling? The dictionary defines it as a restless desire or craving for something one does not have. I'm guilty. I know that feeling all too well. Author... Uh, Anne Voskamp in her book, 1,000 Gifts, writes this, and the quote will appear. She says, in his essence, Satan is an ingrate, and he, th- he sings his venom into the heart of Eden. Satan's sin becomes the first sin of all humanity, the sin of ingratitude. Adam and Eve are simply painfully ungrateful for what God gave Isn't that the catalyst of all my sins? Our fall was, has always been, and always will be that we aren't satisfied in God and what he gives. We hunger for something more, something other. We look at what we're missing, our perceived lack, our desire for more. Whether that perceived lack comes in material possessions or in relationships or perceived justice, we desire for more. So my question to you today is, are we seeing all that we have? Are you seeing all that you have and all that you've been given? What do you give your attention to? See, this woman in Luke 7 lacked water, but she used her tears. She didn't have a towel, but she used her hair. She not only felt thankful, but she showed it with her affection. Her actions showed how thankful she was. She started kissing Jesus' feet, and then she poured her perfume. And when we're in that place of overflow, Even though pouring out is costly, because this perfume was costly, because of who our motivation is, she did it. Who was her motivation? 
Jesus. This woman focused on Jesus, gave her attention to Jesus, was motivated by Jesus, showed her overflowing thankfulness to Jesus. Because of what Jesus has done for you, because of what Jesus has done for me, we too can be thankful. And the scripture says, therefore, I tell you, I want to draw your attention to this. Her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. See, I don't think Jesus is saying that Simon had only sinned a little. But that his knowledge of his sin was small. That he didn't feel his sins were as great as other sins. Anybody else? He had little or no sense of the forgiveness of his sins. That there was an attitude in in Simon's heart that was contrasting to the attitude of the woman. And Jesus addresses this. Because he knows Simon's heart. He says, if this man were a prophet, he would know who this woman is, right? There is an attitude of ingratitude because he had not felt the need to come to Jesus in search of forgiveness. On the Thanksgiving, after my mom's brain aneurysm, my family overflowed with thankfulness. See, the doctors did not expect her to make it. The swelling in her brain had gotten so bad that her eyes were actually bulging out. We we did not know the extent of the brain damage, but they would do brain surgery. But they told us if she made it, the doctor said, most likely she will be paralyzed. And her ability to eat, walk, or talk would be gravely impacted. And yet, by a miracle of God, she made it through surgery. She was eating on her own before we even left the hospital. Recovery was a process. It wasn't easy. But she went back to driving, to working, to yelling at me. She recovered. She was back to herself. Now, I share that to say that that Thanksgiving, my brothers and I had a sense of all that God had done in healing her and being gracious to us. So I want to ask you this. Do you know that you've been forgiven by a loving God. You were created by a God who loves you. And Jesus tells us, and I know you probably heard this verse or know this verse, for God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's the good news, the gospel, that there is forgiveness for your sins, for my sins, 
our short failings, that through the atoning work of Jesus Christ, we have forgiveness. So let's pay attention to what we have been given. Do you have an idea of how much you've been forgiven? Because if you're like me, it's so easy to forget. We forget. And nowadays, I forget even more. I call it mom brain. I just forget more than I would like to remember. And because what happens is we take what we've been given for granted. But we need to remember, pause and reflect all that God has forgiven us. All that he has done and respond with overflowing thankfulness. Another observation is that this woman's overflowing thankfulness affected everyone who was in the room. It impacted them. See, when she opened that alabaster jar and poured out that perfume, that fragrance could not be contained. Have you ever hugged someone that is wearing the good stuff? And then after you're done hugging them, it just kind of stays with you. And you're just like, oh, I smell like them now. Oh, not bad. Okay, thanks, you know. Or like, oh, I smell like them now. I'm going to get a headache, you know. Either, either way. You, but, but their fragrance has impacted you. But I want to go back to this woman. Her fragrance, what she did, her overflowing thankfulness impacted her environment. And I want to tell you that your overflowing thankfulness will impact your environment, will impact everybody that you come in contact with for the better. Your overflowing thankfulness changes the environment. It's what it does. And I love that this woman got to experience that. So today, you have a decision to make, like we do every week when we hear God's word. We decide what we're going to do about what we just heard. So will you choose content over discontent? A very practical way, but actually there is science behind this. Science that shows that actually your brain gets rewired when you do this. When you practice writing what you're thankful for every day. They've actually done studies and they say that people that practice uh, gratitude and thankfulness actually are happier. You know why? We see it in this word, thankfulness. It comes from the Greek word, eucharisteo, where we get the word eucharist, right? And within that word, you'll find that there is, the, the word grace is derived from it. And the word joy is derived from it. Charis and kara, and I'm probably mispronouncing it because I don't speak Greek, but they are found there. So that tells me that when we are intentional about 
practicing thankfulness, writing our thankfulness to God, that there, like the word says, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. So make it a habit. Write down what you're thankful for every day. Not just on occasion, not just when really good things happen, but every day, even when you have a not-so-good day. I was going to say a word that maybe wasn't very friendly, so I changed it real quick. (laughs) Even when the day isn't shining bright, write down what you're thankful for. Even in the difficult and painful moments, God Today I thank you for the pile of laundry because you have provided for my family. God, I thank you for this heartache, though it feels like more than I can bear. You are a God who comforts me, and you are a God that is close to the brokenhearted. God, I thank you that I didn't get the promotion or the job didn't go as I wanted because I get to trust you to provide in the way that only you can. Don't miss what you have because you're wanting what you think you're missing. Don't allow discontentment to kill your overflow. In Philippians 4, 11 through 13, Paul writes, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content. Whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. You can be content. You can learn. I love that Paul writes it twice. I have learned. It is something we can learn. And it is not in our own strength. Aren't you grateful for that? But it is in Jesus who gives us strength that we're able to get to that place of overflow. And I love that Paul writes that he has learned the secret to being content. And it makes me think, man, if Paul were selling books back in the day, that would be a bestseller because everybody wants to know the secret of being content, right? That would sell. Well, Paul's secret, what he writes, what we discover, is that it's union with the living, resurrected Christ. That is his secret. He is satisfied in Jesus. Today, I want to make an invitation to you. Well, actually two. I want to invite, maybe for some of you that are in this room or watching on our live stream, maybe you've not had the opportunity to be united to Christ. Or maybe something's happened that's drawn you away from God and you're no longer in that unity with him. That today you would make 
my decision to say, I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to be united with Jesus once again. And the other invitation I want to make to you is if you find yourself in this place opposite of thankful, maybe you've been living in the gap. You know discontent more than content. Would you make a decision today that you will be content in every circumstance because God is enough for you? Would you close your eyes right there where you are? And Lord, as, as we reflect on your word, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. Lord, I, I, I say I wonder how this woman knew what to do, but I know that it was your spirit leading her and guiding her, prompting her. So Lord, I pray that as we stop and reflect that your Holy Spirit would help us to know how to show our overflowing thanksgiving to you, but also to the people around us. Lord, I pray that we choose to live in a place of content, and because of that, our overflow will impact the environments and the people that we come across. Lord, help us. Help us when difficult things happen, and it's hard for us to see what you've given us, even in the hard moments. Help us to see. Help us to pay attention to you, Jesus. And my second invitation today is for those of you that are either on live stream or here in this room, and maybe you've drifted away from Jesus. Maybe you're here and you've never really made a decision to say yes to him and the invitation to know him as your Lord and Savior or to say yes to the forgiveness of sins that Jesus offers. With everybody's eyes closed, I want to invite you, if that's you and you're in this room and today you want to make that decision, I want you to raise your hand and I want to agree with you today. If that's you, right where you are, just raise your hand. If you're online, go ahead and comment and we'll know that that's you. Father, we thank you. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for the gift of salvation that you give. We thank you for the second, third, fourth chances that you offer to us. Lord, we're so grateful that we get to be united with you. And because of that, we can be content. In Jesus' name, can we say amen? Amen. amen. God is good.